You are listening to So You Want to Read Tolkien, a podcast that goes through each of J.R.R. Tolkien's main works, chapter by chapter, and discusses them in a most ridiculous manner. One does not simply walk into Mordor. I would cut off your head, dwarf, if it stood but a little higher from the ground. We've had one, yes. What about second breakfast? Yeah, Till at last I threw down my enemy and smote his ruin upon the mountainside. What's happening out there? Shall I describe it to you? Or would you like me to find you a box? Now, don't be hasty, Master Miriado. Is this new devil right? Hello and welcome to So You Want to Read Tolkien. This week we are reading The Two Towers, Book 3, Chapter 4, Treebeard. An eagerly awaited section of this book. Yay! <laughs> I'm Caitlin and I'm drinking this homemade cider mead thing and it is alcoholic as fuck i'm rachel and i'm drinking a local brew uh red ale and it is not alcoholic as fuck but it is delicious especially since i spent an hour writing about this chapter which never ended (laughs) (laughs) and i'm emmy and i'm just i'm drinking an angry orchard i thought we saved the drink intros for drunk tolkien but who knows this 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 may turn into that i was gonna say this sounds like it might be an unofficial drunk tolkien this is a long chapter, everybody, so buckle in. Buckle in. Yeah, this isn't a drunk Tolkien. This is just a we need alcohol to get through it chapter. I know. Um, this drink is so alcoholic, it, it might be. Except that I don't know how alcoholic, because it, it's homemade. Well, that's why we're letting Rachel talk a lot, not you. <laughs> Great. Uh, Emmy, what do you want to do today? I will do the characters. That sounds wonderful. There aren't very many, so this is exciting. We have... Mary and Pippin, our favorite hobbit friends. We finally get to meet Treebeard, who is an Ent. Quickbeam, who is a younger, much hastier Ent. We know how Ents feel about haste. And then people who are mentioned in discussion. Fembrothil, who is an Entwife. Gandalf, Saruman, who are some wizards that may or may not be important to Lord of the Rings. Nah. Hard to say. Their names don't start with F, so obviously they're not important. <laughs> Do you want me to read my short summary <laughs> and my long summary? Uh, yes, because your long summary is a masterpiece. It was a gift. <laughs> so, the short summary that I wrote earlier this day was, Merry and Pippin join up with the Ents, learn a bunch of Ent history, and go to an Entmoot, where it is decided the Ents will march on Isengard. And then I wrote the long summary before installing updates on my computer and having it be out of commission for like three fucking hours. Um, <laughs> which is, they meet up with Treebeard, Treebeard misses the Entwives and is kind of creepy about the Ent Maidens. Not gonna lie. Uh, there are many songs sung, most of them and not great. Entmood happens and the Ents decide to march on Isengard because Saruman has been doing evils. <laughs> Capital E-V-I-L. Lowercase Lower S. S. <laughs> well, how else would we know that it's plural otherwise? And I was good with that, but um, Rachel, Ra- Rachel disagreed with me. 
I decided that since I got my new microphone, and hopefully you guys can enjoy the sound of my voice now, that I would write an actually long, long summary. (laughs) It's fantastic. We're going to have a great time. Yeah. Cheers. (laughs) Uh, So we begin with our two illustrious hobbits walking through Fangorn for a while. They describe that the forest feels very stifling inside, which, you know, as we're approaching summer humidity, I can relate. Uh, they decide to stop for a drink, which feels magically refreshing. Pairs well with Lumbus because we have all of the magical foods and drinks now. Uh, they decide to discuss where they are and what to do. Uh, Pippin thinks the dim and stuffy forest reminds him of the old room in the great place of the Tooks, aka like the furniture of a hundred year old man, which was then left for another couple hundred years. It's a great metaphor because we all know that person's house. Have, <laughs> have we decided if it is Took or Took? What? What? Took oh. or Took? Pippin Peregrine Took or Peregrine Took? I think it depends if you're American or not. Oh, that was an I American I think it depends thing? on whether or not you say it in Ian McClellan's fool of a Took voice. Because, I mean, really, I don't I know. Mean, took is just never going to happen. So, <laughs> not for me. <laughs> it, it might be right, but it just sounds wrong out of my voice. That's fair. I've always said Took. See, when you just said took, I was like, well, that's an interesting choice, Rachel. I don't know what happened. Anyway, sorry. Sorry to interrupt. It is a great metaphor. You are correct. I I, I have been in that old person's house. Luckily, Uh none in my family. (laughs) That's good. Um, Mine either. Very lucky family. Um, Please feel free to complain about my pronunciation of took. You do you. Strangely enough, I think in the movies, (laughs) they even go back and forth, but only for like rhyming situations. I mean, that's relatable. Valid. Even the Tooks themselves probably change it up depending on the rhyme. Yes. But also, I literally know someone who, when we like asked her how to pronounce her name with like a, a ah or an a sound, she was like, no one knows. <laughs> like, is your and name? She, and like, she didn't pick tell one? you? <laughs> no, like, she's <laughs> like, we don't actually know, so. Like, oh, okay. like even she doesn't know. Yeah, yeah. Like, in the family, they just... They just don't know. Anyway, um, they're about to have to make a decision about where to go when they see a yellow light further on in the wood that looks like sunlight. So another classic case of decision not having to be made by something else. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They come up to a rock wall on the side of a hill. Uh, The forest looks completely different in the light. There's something of a stair in the side of the wall, and at the top is... One old stump of a tree with only two bent branches left. It looked almost like the figure of some gnarled old man standing there, blinking in the morning light. Spoiler alert. (laughs) It is. Yep. (laughs) Uh, They climb up the large stair, not realizing how amazingly not tired they are and, like, healed from their trials. Because, yay, magic water! Uh... As they survey the land, they lament that the sun is going away and how nice it was in the sunlight. Pippin remarks, I almost felt I liked the place. And he gets an unexpected reply by a strange voice that asks them to turn around, then picks them up in his knobby hands. Wait, because this is one of my favorite lines. I love that they're like, I almost like this forest. Um, and then Treebeard goes behind them. Almost felt you liked the forest. That's good. Like, the condescension is just dripping off of this quote. I thought it was so funny. It's 
so great. So good. And I like that that's the line that saved their lives. <laughs> right? Like, I, I almost felt I liked the place. Yeah, otherwise he was just going to knock them out of the tree and leave them to die. Yep. Anyway, I figured I would read the description of Treebeard because it's interesting and it's like, you know, the only end we have or will ever meet. Well, not technically, but you know what I mean. It's unique. Uh, so... See, they found that they were looking at a most extraordinary face. It belonged to a large, man-like, almost troll-like figure, at least 14 foot high, very sturdy, with a tall head and hardly any neck. Whether it was clad in stuff like green and gray bark, or whether that was its hide, was difficult to say. At any rate, the arms, at a short distance from the trunk, were not wrinkled, but covered with a brown, smooth skin. The large feet had seven toes each. The lower part of the long face was covered with a sweeping gray beard, bushy, almost twiggy at the roots, thin and mossy at the ends. But at the moment, the hobbits noted little but the eyes. These deep eyes were now surveying them, slow and solemn, but very penetrating. They were brown, shot with a green light. And then we get some nice poetry from Pippin trying to describe them. Um, and like One felt as if there was an enormous well behind them, filled up with ages of memory and long, slow, steady thinking. And it's really nice that Pippin gets to be poetic in this chapter. I also like how they seem much more like a, like a, like Words. less, less like a tree than the were in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it, it makes sense because I think what they did in the movies looks better. It might look a little weird to kind of just look like a, a green dude. man covered in paint <laughs> yeah well i definitely totally had it in my head that they were just straight up trees um and then they introduced the concept of like you can't tell if it's bark as clothes or bark as skin and i was like wait a second why would trees wear clothes and i had to reevaluate the entire description but he's not a tree he is an ent i know yep. but you know they're supposed to be very very treeish <laughs> treeish but he's the oldest or one of you know so it's interesting because we'll get into the whole evolution of current ants as opposed to original ants we're going to get into evolution i'm so excited <laughs> <laughs> uh it's rapid paced evolution in fact <laughs> um anyway uh the creature then says while holding Mary and Pippin in each hand, that if he had seen them before hearing their voices, he'd have thought they were orcs and stepped on them. But he didn't, so it's all good. <laughs> uh, Pippin asks his name, and he says Ent, or Fangorn, or Treebeard. And that's only three of his names. Uh, Treebeard comments that he can't place what the hobbits are, and he recites a list of all the creatures in existence. Mm-hmm. Uh, it starts with elves, dwarves, ants, and men before going on to a whole bunch of animals. And he might have continued ad infinitum, but eventually stops. And Pippin suggests adding a new line, half-grown hobbits, the whole dwellers. I'm going to jump in here with the fact that I find it very interesting that the eagles are counted among animals and not like the free people at the beginning. As though they have not been saving everybody's ass since the beginning of Middle-earth. There would not be elves without eagles. (laughs) And, like, Treebeard would have seen them. Probably a lot, honestly. And they have, like, language and... I don't know about cities, but... Language. Right? And, And you'd think that, like... I mean, 
the eagles being created by Manwe and the Ents being created by Yavanna would have at least some sort of kinship in a way. Like, I mean, eagles like trees, so you'd think that at some point <laughs> they'd come across each other and, like, have an exchange of information. Maybe they just stayed completely separate. I don't think we've ever come to any sort of conclusion on whether or not there's regular eagles also in Middle-earth. Or if it's just... Eagles with a capital E? Yeah. Yeah. It is... Well, no, I it's, guess I straight it's eagle up with a capital... That... I say it's eagle with a capital E, but it's at the beginning of the line, so who knows what that means. <laughs> well, I think they're always eagles with a capital E, aren't they? Well, Am but I that's... We can't, we can't make a comparison in this list. Oh, that's fair. Because it's the beginning of the line. But we never hear about any sort of other eagle. I just assumed there were only these eagles. Hyper-intelligent and world-saving eagles. Anyways, we'll I just know. found that interesting. And I would like to know more. Consi- just considering how much Tolkien seems to like his smart eagles. It's interesting that he made the choice to put them in amongst the animals. That's all. Yeah. Anyway. Um... Those are some very happy dogs, or unhappy, as it were. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to cut them out, but like this whole episode is us and the dogs. Yep. So uh, from there, we get a little bit of fairy lore. When Pippin says that Hobbit is their own name for their species, and Treebeard <laughs> says that you can't just go around telling people your name, uh, to which Merry and Pippin reply by promptly giving their full names. Uh, tree I found that so interesting that ants are like, no, 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 don't, don't just give people your names. That's insane. But like, there's nothing else about the ants or this experience, at least that we've come across yet, that would indicate, lend, why. indicate why or lend it to them having any sort of power over things with names. Which is what I immediately thought of when they said, don't give anybody your name. Yeah. That I don't whole, know if it's like, just a tree thing or what. Yeah, I don't know. That whole uh, Rumpelstiltskin situation. Exactly. That's yep. the, That's what I was thinking. Yeah. And is it like these creatures? I mean, because so Treebeard ends up getting into his name at one point and talks about how, I guess this is the next line, <laughs> because <laughs> his name is growing all the time. And so I think it's more like his name is him. Oh, my God. So it's cool. like Aragorn. Aragorn's name <laughs> grow all the time. <laughs> if anyone could remember all of them, they'd have ultimate power over yeah. him. That's the um, connection we're supposed to make. Yes. Um, or that's why they keep giving him names. Like, oh my god, Aragorn, you gave it away again. Here's oh, we have to one. add on to it. <laughs> but yeah, and maybe like, maybe once upon a time, hobbits had true names or could have had true names, but now they just have Peregrine and Meriadoc. And I'm, I would like more information about that whole situation, but as far as I'm aware, we don't get more. Nope. Anyway... Which is literally written in the notes. <laughs> uh, anyway, Treebeard starts to wonder what is going on. And in his wonderings, he comments in passing about what is Gandalf up to, uh, as well as these orcs and young Saruman down at Isengard. And I just so love that one, what is Gandalf up to is a sentence that every single being in Middle Earth has wondered at some point in time. <laughs> and uh, calling him young Saruman is just. So great. Although also, I don't know if that is an accurate statement to be made. What do you mean? Well, because, like, they came to Middle-earth at the beginning of the Third Age, but they were alive for quite some time in not Middle-earth. 
So I don't I don't actually think they're younger than Treebeard. I think they're probably like I think they're about the same age, right? Because Treebeard's basically been negligible? there since the beginning too. Yeah. I don't know. But, we just we heard about them pretty early on in the Silmarillion. Mm-hmm. So I think they're pretty freaking old. Yeah. Uh, Treebeard wouldn't know that though, necessarily. No. Yeah, well, that would be interesting. <laughs> anyway, we can keep getting into the lore of whether Treebeard is the other evil dark lord of Middle-earth. <laughs> Treebeard, Treebeard and, Tom and Tom Bombadil, Bombadil as our evil overlords. Someone write me that fanfic. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. We'll get there. Are they also lovers? <laughs> well, I mean, the Antwives are missing for a really long time. <laughs> I don't want to know how that works. He has needs. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Carry on. <sighs> if I must. <clears throat> <laughs> um, <laughs> so we were talking about Gandalf and they have a back and forth of talking slash asking about Gandalf in which Treebeard talks about him in the present tense and Merry and Pippin do so in past tense. But nothing comes of it because we cannot reveal any information. Thought Caitlin, you were going to snark about that. No, <laughs> I was yawning. Sorry. Hmm. Uh, Treebeard then picks up the hobbits to carry them to one of his homes. They walk for a very long time, and they talk about the forest and the Ents. Pippin asks about why Celeborn warned them against Fangorn, and Treebeard says he might have said the same about Lothlorien. He gives it the old name of Laurelindoranan. I thought that was so nice of Treebeard, to just be understanding about why somebody would warn people not to go into his forest. Right? Like, yeah, that's just kind of how, how we are. Like, your forest is strange, and my forest is also strange. I just liked that a lot. It yeah. it made me feel so good about Treebeard, for him to be so understanding of people saying, no, maybe not. Don't go near them. And yep. he was like, yeah, that's fair. We're kind of kill first, ask questions later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, But yeah, I found it was interesting. He gave the long old name. <sighs> You're going to make me say it again, of Laura Lindoranan. You're the nice. one who went back. And, but that the elves shortened it to Lothlorien, uh, maybe because the forest is indeed fading, not growing, like tree names go. Uh, Treebeard then says his land is also a strange land and says that folk have come to grief here, which I thought was an interesting way of saying it. Because, obviously, like, I think just bad stuff has happened, but we have had people literally go into forests and fade from grief. You know what? Honestly, I forgot about that until you just mentioned it. Is that what he says? Yeah. Oh, I also really disliked when there was a big elvish line with the asterisk, and then at the bottom it just says, see Appendix F. Right? I was like, I don't have (laughs) Appendix F. I don't don't have time for that. I I guess we'll get to that in... I don't know, 20 episodes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, there's so much going on in this section. Do you care about what I, he actually said? I guess no. It's fine. I can find it later. I just, I don't remember getting that impression from it, but I was reading myself and not listening to the audiobook, so <laughs> it's possible I skimmed it, unfortunately. I, I don't have any control of when I skim. Oh, here we go. And right, it is a queer land. And so is this. Folk have come to grief here. I, they have to grief. And then there's the elvish line. Hey, so not only grief once, but grief twice. Which elvish That's line? That's pretty where on the this? nose. The, no, okay. So he starts saying, he just says, 
Laura Lindorinan, Laura yeah. <laughs> Linda Lorendor. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Ornemalen. And then he later says Taralilomea Tumbalamorna Tumbalataria Lomeanor. Which I managed to sound like uh Evie reciting the Latin to wake up the mummy. That was good though. That was <laughs> I Honestly, think you got all the letters there. So I, I, I guess what it was is I just interpreted it differently than you. Because folk have come to grief here. I just assumed he meant they murdered them. Well I mean yeah. I think it, it's that's why I say I think I don't think it was meant that way, but I found it interesting how it was phrased. I do think it's supposed to like invoke that remembrance of just like forests as this haven where also terrible things happen. Mm-hmm. Both self inflicted and not. Also, I'm remembering the elf lady that the one stream is named after, who, like, her boo sailed away, and then he jumped off the ship and drowned, and she just, like, wandered until she faded. Right. I would like and to I- Google elf who wandered until she faded, but I that's not specific enough. I'm going to get a lot of weird results. <laughs> I can't remember her name. Oh, I want to know which ones Melian. you get. <laughs> there are. I was trying to remember the word for cram when I was writing some notes earlier, <laughs> and I literally Googled shitty dwarf food. <laughs> <laughs> and I got it. There you go. Okay, so listen, when you Google elf lady who wandered the forest, um, the first result is <laughs> Tom Bombadil. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay. Uh, Nimradel. There we go. Nimradel, yes. Uh, I looked up rivers in Lothlorien because I figured that was going to get an answer better. Um, Because she wandered away southward somewhere and faded somewhere, maybe. We don't really know. I guess when when Treebeard was talking, because, because Celeborn warns the party not to go in, and then when Treebeard says that people have come to grief here, I assume he was talking about humans that have come in to, like, cut wood for their fires or whatever and then mm-hmm. got, burned alive what? well well the trees wouldn't burn them but got squished or got like swallowed up like the old the old willow tried to do with the with the hobbits yeah that's what i assumed i meant but i guess it could be the other one with the grief with the grief i like the, the idea of it. death that only ladies <laughs> suffer from yep i like the idea of it being both i like it too i just hadn't thought of it so i'm yeah. glad you brought it up yeah Every so often, I come up with smart things. Every so often. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, back to it. Uh, We've got a lot more Ent history to get to. We have so much Ent history to get to. Uh, Treebeard describes how he's one of the quote-unquote true Ents left, but some Ents are growing tree-ish, while some trees are growing Entish. And unfortunately, some of them have bad hearts. Uh, And Treebeard says that there are still some fairy black patches. And Mary uh, actually asks, like the old forest away to the north, do you mean? And Treebeard says, aye, aye, something like, but much worse. I do not doubt there is some great shadow of the great darkness lying there still away north, and bad memories are handed down. But there are hollow dales in this land where the darkness has never been lifted and the trees are older than I am. And given what we know of the old forest mm-hmm. and how creepy and terrifying it is mm-hmm. and how Tom Bombadil is our future future evil overlord, mm-hmm. this is scary. A little bit. He has an army of evil trees under his command. I mean, if he chooses to get roused, he goes for it. Mm. Why do you think the Ents are so unhasty? <laughs> 
I'm committed. <laughs> uh, so some ant slash tree history. Uh, elves began waking trees up and teaching them to talk. Then the great darkness came, which I assume is when like the lamps got broken, right? I think so. Well, it says the great darkness came and the elves left. So oh. I actually assume that that's um, when the Silmarils went away. And which was the last of the light of the trees, that type of great darkness and and the land and Beleriand all went kaput. See, I thought it was one like, okay, it's the great darkness defined because we're going to all be Googling Silmarillion stuff for a while now. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. Because it was, Tree it sounded to me beard. how it was phrased, like it was talking about like the ones, the elves going like up over to Valinor. And then the ones who were left just like hunkering down and hiding. Cause, right, and, and they passed away over the sea or fled into far valleys and hid themselves. Okay, here I am on TolkienGateway.net. <clears throat> the Great Darkness was an uncertain term used by Treebeard the Ent, apparently referring to the time of the First Age that Middle-earth was under the dominion of Morgoth. When the Great Darkness came, the elves passed over the Great Sea and fled or hid. It was in the great darkness before the sun and moon that Melkor first created the orcs and trolls so that these creatures feared sunlight and shunned it. The darkness was not dispelled by the coming of the sun. Morgoth held his fortress of Angband for centuries. Angband! I was trying to remember that word earlier. Sorry. And kept it shrouded in darkness with vapors belched from blah, 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 blah. Uh, according to Treebeard, the darkness has never been lifted in some hollow dales of his land. And there is still some shadow left by in the north. So, after the trees went out, but before the sun rose. That actually makes sense. I don't know how we didn't think of that. The Great Darkness. Probably because I was thinking more metaphorical than the literal sun. But that's fair. (laughs) Well, I mean, but the the lamps Mm -hmm. came first, right? The lamps were were long before that. Well, some indeterminate time before that, because there weren't (laughs) days and months and years previous to the sun. So, I don't know. Yeah. I guess, okay, so there were lamps, and then there were trees, and then there was darkness. I have it in my head that there was no people when there was lamps. Is that wrong? <sighs> but there might have been ants. <laughs> yeah, that's fair, that's fair, that's fair. There was definitely no humans. I, <laughs> were there elves? I don't know. <laughs> it's almost like we did an entire year. It's been so long since that part of the Silmarillion. And, like, the stuff I always remember is the interesting, like, the stories, not... The minutia we need. Later not in the life. timeline. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, not anyway, gonna, I'm not gonna bother Googling that. Yeah. Karen. That part doesn't matter because we're about to get to more stuff because um at that time, uh everything was once all forest and Treebeard could wander them all. And he ends up singing a chant that names many of the places that are in the Silmarillion. Uh in- I've got them all listed out at the bottom. Oh I can cool. I can go through it if you want. All right. Um, go for it. Let's jump down there. Okay, so Treebeard, song about the old forests. The elm woods near the Osiriand, which were in the southeast of Beleriand, and the Osiriand is that area where there's like the seven parallel rivers. It's Anytime you look at a map of Beleriand, it jumps out at me because of the seven parallel rivers. And then he sings about Neldoreth, which was an area in Doriath, um, sort of north of Menegroth and bordering the Valley of Death, Doom, and Spiders. I don't know why he would like it there, but apparently he did. <laughs> Near the mountains of Arid Gorgoroth, where Ungoliant and her offspring made their home. 
And then the pine trees of Dorthonian, he mentions, and that's in the super, super north, um, nearest to Angband, which was the word I was trying to look up earlier, but didn't. And that was all run over during the Dagor Bragolok, which we haven't gotten a chance to say recently. <laughs> and I enjoy that. That's a good time. Oh. And that is the Battle of Sudden Flame when the dragons were unleashed. Possibly early? One of the dragons was released accidentally early, wasn't it? I don't remember that one. Carry on. The Battle of Sudden yes. Flame. That's when it was sort of overrun and it was renamed to something else, which I didn't write down here, and became kind of an evilly forest of dead things. Yeah. Anyway, really interesting. Just that, you know, we just, we, we rather than all of these uh, elves that we've had that lived through all that, we don't actually talk very much about like all the places that they'd been. You know, like, Galadriel doesn't talk about all the shit she's seen. Uh, here we just have Treebeard up and chatting about, you know, I, walking I, through all these old places. I wonder <laughs> if uh, Thingle knew that he had Ents living in his forest, because he was so territorial, especially there at the end. Yeah. Now I want to go, like, reread through it and try to guess all the places where Ents could be. <laughs> I mean, if you look at a map of Beleriand, you you can see where all the forests are. I mean, not like... The places in the in story. The story. Where oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I'm sorry. I apologize out. profusely. Like, did, were, were the Ents, like, shipping it and, like, making all those people coincidentally meet in the woods? <laughs> totally. They <laughs> I were closing do... the deer paths and just, like, guiding them towards each other. Yeah. I do assume that they were up in the drama of um, Baron and Luthien. Totally. Because that was all in the woods while their first meeting. Yep. Um, Treebeard would be so into it. Yeah. <laughs> she would make an excellent ant wife. <laughs> he would be standing there like, oh, they're being very hasty. <laughs> <laughs> but unable uh, to turn away. Here's here's another new uh, fanfic for you, and it's The World According to Treebeard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the history of Beleriand and the fall of Morgoth according to Treebeard. The two hey, Amazon, history. give us a call. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, we spend a lot of time talking about Ent history uh, and eventually make it to Treebeard's home, which has trees forming gates to it and a hall cut into the height <laughs> the the of the sill. Yeah. <clears throat> and a hall cut into the side of the hill. Treebeard says he walked about 70,000 Ent strides, which is a hell of a Fitbit record. <laughs> I don't get that because... Like, I can see if maybe he walked 70,000, like, human strides, because strides are all relative. And if he took 70,000 steps... He'd be out of the forest. Yeah, even for him. Like, that's still quite a walk. Do you think he just, like, walked around in circles? <laughs> just so that he could finish telling them the history? That's such a yeah. pretty weird thing to do, actually. Yes. I can totally see it. Yep. <laughs> Uh, so Treebeard gives the hobbits some water, which is refreshing and invigorating and also magical. Uh, and then they talk some more. The hobbits tell the story of their adventure, but they don't mention the ring at all. So we still don't know how Treebeard feels about it. Uh, I'm so upset. Right. <laughs> and I'm actually surprised that he doesn't ask. You know, like he, they tell them we went on this journey these scary people were following us. These things attacked us. Everyone kind of wants us and or wants us dead. And Treebeard is never like, why? Why? <laughs> mm -hmm. I've never even heard of you before today. Oh, that's yeah. fascinating. Why? Why is that? 
say instead uh he wants to know everything about like the people including tom bombadil just saying just saying (laughs) (laughs) wants to know more about his fellow evil overlord you mean his lover Uh, (laughs) oh my god damn it caitlin oh my god (laughs) this is why we can't have nice things hey we we need to say it so that we have something to name the episode title. <laughs> See, I'm still upset with us for not jumping on that whole riding bareback thing. Listen, so I'm I sorry, guess- but I did have it in my head and I went, no, that's that's too much. Never too much, Jimmy. I'm sorry. Never. That's why they pay us the big bucks. Zero point zero dollars. Nice time to point out our Patreon page if you want more inappropriate Treebeard Tom Bombadil content. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll give that shit away things. for free. I'll give that shit away for free. Don't worry. If you want to pay us to not talk about <laughs> it anymore. <laughs> um, so anyway, Treebeard is uh, especially interested in hearing about the Shire since it sounds like someplace the Entwives would like. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, get to that later, though, because all of everything just circles around back and forth. Uh, Treebeard remarks that something big sure does seem to be happening, and Mary asks about Treebeard's place in it. He says that, I am not altogether on anybody's side because nobody is altogether on my side, which is an extra depressing environmental metaphor these days. It is, but it's also like, there are crimes against the world going on, and he's very much like mm, self-interest, which I can respect, but also fascinating in its own right. I can see yeah. why our hobbits get upset. Yeah. And did you guys see there is like the tree that inspired the Lorax died? I did see that. I have that absolutely no idea what you're talking about. Do you know have what you... the Lorax is? Y- yes, I know. Okay. I know about I'm just Dr. Seuss. Anyway, there is a very specific tree that inspired... Um, I I did not know that. Um, Thanks, Emmy. Uh, But uh, there is this. Treebeard does not like orcs or their masters. Uh, But since the shadow left Mirkwood and went to Mordor, Treebeard hasn't worried as much. Uh, Saruman is a neighbor, though, so now it is time to worry. (laughs) Uh, Treebeard then talks about Saruman, who is uh, basically the kid from the Giving Tree always talking to Treebeard and getting lots of information, but never repaying it. <laughs> uh, uh, and now he is plotting to become a power with a capital P, which I just found interesting that way of describing it. Like, I, yeah, it, it, I don't see that he's not already one. Right, considering like he's, he's literally, literally a, a demigod. Maya. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I get what he's saying. But also, kind of late to the game. He right, was like, what one is already. It, what does it take to become a power? Who is a P? power, capital P? Like, Sauron? Probably. Is that, is that it? Is, is Galadriel one? Is, is any of the... Is Tom Bombadil one? Yes. Ooh. Definitely. Um, I was going to make a real it... bad joke about him being a power in bed, but... <laughs> <laughs> See, sometimes they're just hard is to he get a power out bottom? of the time. Uh, whenever I see power with a capital P, I always think of powers that be, like that. Yeah, yeah, like a an actual god. Yeah, well, like the the spiritual phrase. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It was interesting to see it here. But like Sauron and Sauron are the same thing. Yeah, 
They are on level with each other. So I don't. They both have daddy issues. Yeah. I don't see that they're not, that he wouldn't already be considered a capital P power. Again, though, Treebeard doesn't necessarily know this. And this is also Treebeard who just referred to him like, you know, a bajillion pages ago as the young Saruman. Like he still has the time is fluid. Like, how much time does Treebeard think has passed? I mean, he knows, like, he's not an idiot. No, I know that, but I mean, <laughs> he is a he is a tree, not a tree. So right. he's experiencing time different than everyone else, and maybe he's having trouble letting go of the young Sauron image. Kind of like when you see friends of your parents, and they keep asking you how school is, even though you graduated seven years ago. <laughs> Maybe, but he does also mention near to the beginning of the chapter that Ents are more changeable than Elves. That's fair. Which, which actually didn't... Wouldn't be like, hard to do. Yeah, it didn't really uh, mesh with my view of Ents. No. That they're more changeable. I would have thought... I, I would not have thought that. So, that was interesting. I think just, like, different changeable. Because I think, you know, the Elves, even when they're at their most isolationist, still interact with the outside world, mm-hmm. but... You know, trees might literally change with the times, but they're also very, very insular. That's true. So, anyway, um, Treebeard then talks about the Urukai some and has a somewhat grossish line about: uh, Are they men he has ruined, or has he blended the races of orcs and men? Uh, that would be a black uh, evil. Oh God! Yeah, that's. That's not great. Yeah. Like, I know it's fantasy world, but man, this is just, there's no good way to read this. No, it's just, I mean, eugenics is gross. Yes. That's all I got. Yep. Anyway, (laughs) uh, Treebeard starts to work himself up into a frenzy, raging at the death of the trees that Saruman cut down to fuel his fell deeds. He's ready to... March right on Isengard, and Merry and Pippin are all for it. But Treebeard eventually settles himself down, for he has become too hasty. So after some... He he says, like, the the water that he was drinking, like, went to his head. Yeah. As if this stream got him drunk. (laughs) Why not? Which I enjoy. Um, So after some quiet, the hobbits hear Treebeard counting and listing names. Fangorn, Fingless, Fladriff... Because, of course, we needed another threesome of F names. (laughs) Uh, He talks about how there aren't very many Ents left, even if he can convince the younger ones to get involved. Pippin asks why there are so few, and Treebeard says they lost the Ent wives. Pippin assumes this means dead, but it actually means lost. Literally lost them. And now for another piece of Ent history. There were once lovely entwives, like <laughs> Fimberthil, because more F names. But the entwives loved lesser trees that would grow fruits, and they loved herbs and seeding grasses. The entwives loved order and plenty and peace, which sounds quite a bit like what we know of the Shire, whereas the Ents preferred the wilds. And so the Ents kept wandering and saw the entwives less freely. And then one time they went to visit, and all was destroyed in the war. 
and it's now known as the Brownlands. And the Entwives have never been seen since, even though the elves made many songs about the search of the Ents for the Entwives. But it is said that they will only be together again when we have both lost all that we now have. And then Treebeard sings a song about an ant and an ant wife and a lot of back and forth thing about whose land is fairest. And I'm pretty sure the whole point of this story is that, like, balance matters. Uh, but also, the more I use the word ant wife, the grosser I find it that they're only defined as wives. And he also, like, yeah. talks about the ant maidens and thinks upon them with, like, fond memory about how pretty they were. And I found that kind of gross. Yeah. Like, I know we're getting all of this from the perspective of a literal old man, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I mean, I wouldn't blame him for running away. Just saying. All that aside, and, you know, I get that this was written years and years ago, and it it just didn't age very well in this particular instance. But also, I mean, is Ent Wife or Ent Maiden all that different than woman to man like it's still just an add-on to man anyways mm-hmm. doesn't matter yeah uh and as i'm thinking about it it's just like i know it's it's sort of like vaguely meant for just like entertainment value mm-hmm. but also wow he literally found a way to write out every female character in existence of this species yeah they're all gone. like he, he's explicitly told us we can't even imagine any of the other trees or ants as woman oof like yeah that yeah. kind of stinks yeah so like when we were doing the the Rohirrim chapter I was thinking about that whole thing about how um they couldn't get enough uh men to come out and be stunt riders because obviously horse girls and so like half of the Rohirrim or most of the Rohirrim are women yeah and you're like you can at least picture you know that a bunch of them are just like ladies because yeah, we don't asses. have yep you know, nothing nothing tells us explicitly otherwise. And here we have literally, nope, no woman or female fruit-bearing trees. <laughs> <laughs> However you define gender as a tree. As much as I'm joking about it, I really don't want to think about the ants procreating. So let's just <laughs> move on from that. Yeah, do they use bumblebees? Well, Is there a third I was just saying just the birds said, and the bees. Let's move on from that. <laughs> Yeah. Mm. So anyway, the Entwives, they're lost. I also hate uh, that this is like... We like were they moving bring on. This... Sorry. Um, <laughs> too I'm bad. I'm just saying, you're the one who asked. I hate that this is brought up, but it's never come to any conclusion. Like, we don't find the Entwives. We never know what happened to them. I know. Like, what Nothing. the heck? This is just a mystery or what have you laid out for us. I'm like, but I want to know. I feel like this is the inside joke chapter. Did Tom Bombadil steal them all? <laughs> now they're his slaves? Who is Coldberry? That's got to... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't like that. Uh. Uh, I was also going to say, I do like that um, the ants are called like shepherds of the forest or tree shepherds or whatever. And Well, you know trees, they wander off. And, and But it sounds like the ant wives are more like farmers. Like they want to... <laughs> They want to plant in neat rows and grow as much as they possibly can. And that, and well, the trees are just like, yeah, we're just going to wander with our trees and keep them all in line ish. I don't know. I thought that the parallel towards actual shepherds and farmers was kind of interesting. 
Carry mm. on. Yeah. And both is on. good. We, we need to cultivate fields to grow things, but those fields are also best when they have some variety and natural diversity is key. Anyway, you'd never guess that we're environmentalists. <laughs> uh, so finally, finally, it's time to sleep, which Treebeard does standing. Well, Mary and Pippin lie down, obviously. And the next morning, they go off to Entmoot, a gathering of Ents, uh, which I've been playing too much Dragon Age because it just makes me feel like the lands meet. I want to, I want to, the first time I read these books, I wanted nothing more than to go to an Entmoot. I don't know why. I don't, I don't feel a particular kinship with the Ents, it, like, throughout these books. I just, if I could have picked one of the meetings to go to, it would have been the Entmoot. That's really fascinating. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it would be cool, but also, like, you don't Super really know boring. anything that's going on. Yeah. yeah. Like, cool for the first 15 minutes, and then you're like, is there a bar here? Can I go drink some more of that magic make-me-tall potion? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, once again, they walk a long time until they come upon a place of meeting, which is a dingle, basically like a, a big ball. Uh, but also, what's a dingle? <laughs> Did you Google it? <laughs> no, I was busy writing these things okay. and I figured uh, we'd get to it. And I was going to say, that's probably safer not to Google it. <laughs> it sounds suspicious. It's Treebeard's Dingle. <laughs> Apparently yeah. it's the name of a town in Ireland because I got top things to <laughs> do in Dingle. I'm pretty sure he made it up um, because I, I decided to Google Dingle Tolkien. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's what a dingle is a tree shadowed dell, which I think is like explicitly in the chapter here. Um, what the archaic element dern, um, which because it's dern dingle is also it's been secret hidden. But so it's like, yeah, so I think he made it up. Well, that does fit with what we know of Tolkien. He made up everything he possibly could. Anyway. Sorry, I'm now just reading yeah. About movies that take place on the Dingle Peninsula. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> All right. Yeah. There's a different Tolkien thing. A small wooded hollow, a small valley between mountains. Wait. Oh, no. What? Dingle, a small wooded hollow. Hollow, a small valley between mountains. This there is you. Go. Okay. I'm with you. Whatever. It's, it's submerged. It's like a bowl in the ground. Cool. Let's get on with it. They're meeting there. <laughs> I understand uh, that you said they're meeting there, but it definitely sounded like you said they're mating there. And I was like, <laughs> we moved on from this, Rachel. Damn it, Caitlin. <laughs> I definitely heard meeting there, Caitlin. I think your mind is in the gutter. You have the same sort of accent as Rachel and would therefore make the same conclusion. I have no excuse. Carry on. <laughs> I think actually the title of this episode should just be called Damn It, Caitlin. <laughs> Poor Caitlin. <laughs> the title of every episode. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's damn it, Rachel. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Anyway, Emmy, you got to step up your damn it game. I know. Gosh. <laughs> Emmy's always the one keeping us on track, though. <laughs> I'm the one not making porny references in the podcast. We're meeting at an Entmoot in a dingle. And... <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> And uh, several other Ents are there, and they all look similar, especially in the eyes, but as different as the trees are different. We get some descriptions of, like, different Ents looking like different trees. 
the end moot begins with a continuous chanting in a group, which carries on for a long time. Pippin eventually yawns, and Treebeard pauses, says they've agreed that the hobbits are not orcs, and to put a new species name on the list, the important business, and that the hobbits can wander around. So they hang out for a while and talk about Isengard, as you do. Mary describes it, especially how it's all made of rock, which seems strange for Ents to attack. But they describe how the Ents may seem slow and patient, but if they're roused, they'd be fearsome to behold. Eventually, Treebeard sends the hobbits off with an Ent named Bregalad, who is as hasty as Ents come and has already made up his mind. They walk to Bregalad's house, stopping whenever he saw a rowan tree to sing at them. Uh, Bregolad describes how where he was from has been ravaged when the orcs came to cut the trees down. He then sings a lot about the lost trees, which he interestingly gives them Quenya names. Uh, sorry, just just to just to tie this, I called Bregolad by his other name when I was listing characters. So this is Quickbeam. Oh, whoops, sorry. It, it doesn't matter. Like he, they yes. gave us both names. I just went with Quickbeam when I. Yeah. Because honestly, I thought you would too for pronunciation's sake. <laughs> but no, she, both names okay. are correct. Just wanted to say same tree, same mm-hmm. person. Uh, <laughs> and. I debated about it, but then despite him saying uh, quick beam in your language, they actually called him Bregolad more. Gotcha. So I ended up with that one. Yes. Um, Bregolad, quick beam, hasty end. Uh, anyway, um... The next day comes, they spend it in Bregolad's company, hearing the Entmoot in the distance, uh, then through another night into the next day. In the afternoon, the Ents finally stop, and suddenly a loud boom crashes as the Ents begin to march. Treebeard takes the hobbits back, and they're amazed at the change in the creatures. They may take time to make up their mind, but when they do, they go hard. <laughs> As I was reading how I phrased that, I was like, well, that's going to get a snort. There it is. (laughs) Uh, Mary asks if they can really break down the stone doors of Isengard. Treebeard gives a little bit more Ent history, saying that trolls were made in mockery of Ents, just like orcs were of elves. But Ents are stronger than trolls, made of the bones of the earth. Uh, As they march, Treebeard then says that Of course, it is likely enough, my friends, likely enough that we are going to our doom, the last march of the Ents. But if we stayed at home and did nothing, doom would find us anyway, sooner or later. Which I think for all of their, you know, hemming and hawing about not getting involved in stuff, it's, you know, a good nod towards not remaining neutral in times of, you know, I don't know, some little thing like a world war. Such shade on Switzerland. (laughs) so much shade uh and i think i mean i think also on america oh that's fair you know i don't Um, this i this might sound funny but i don't really think of america when i think about the world wars (laughs) (laughs) because that's just not the perspective that i learned about them from Mm -hmm. uh so yeah it just didn't even occur to me to think about that but yes Fair point. Yep. I also get into it from a comics history standpoint, which is really interesting and something for a completely different podcast. Along the Ents march, as the trees seem to awaken behind them, marching on their way to war. At last, night falls, and they come upon the summit overlooking the Valley of Saruman. Night lies over Isengard, said Treebeard. The end.
It's a metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Rach. Metaphor with a capital M. We wouldn't. You're welcome. We wouldn't have gotten there without you. I'm here for your important business. Did anyone have any favorite bits? I mean, we talked about mine already. It was it was Treebeard's condescension at his introduction. He was grand. Um, I do have another favorite bit um, that I forgot about. Uh, when way back at the beginning, when they first met Treebeard, I really loved that when they had asked uh, Treebeard, like, "What are you going to do with us?" and uh, Treebeard says. I am not going to do anything with you, not if you mean by that, do something to you without your leave. We might do some things together. <laughs> the weirdest invitation to a play date. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, my favorite bit was, I really liked, well, I don't know if this is the best writing or anything in the chapter, but I liked being reminded of all the old places in Beleriand and having a better understanding of them now and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was fun. Uh, I really I really like another chapter where Pippin kind of gets to be... A little bit smart, a little bit good. A little bit smart, yeah. yeah. Like, Mary, Mary was the one who looked at the maps and so can talk about, like, hey, yeah, this is where and what Isengard is, but Pippin's the one who's given the kind of otherwise Sam or Frodo bits where it's like, afterwards, they would describe it as such... Yeah. It's like, you know, not only do we get Pippin as just sort of smart and engaged and attentive, but also as another basically artist and words, words person. He also has a good bit. I'm never going to find it. I didn't write down the page where he's very, I don't know, Treebeard says something about marching on Isengard and Pippin is like, yes, I want to. Me. I want to bring down the white hand. I will never forget Ugluk and our march across Rohan. So yeah. I like I like pipping out for revenge. Mm-hmm. They're such good hobbits. Yeah, they're great. Um, okay, so I wanted to bring up uh, Fang- Fangorn. Oh, I guess that is his name. Treebeard. He mentions that trolls are like the evil version of Ents, and that orcs are the evil version of elves, and that the new Urukai are have sort of become like the evil version of humans. Although humans are evil enough sometimes. Anyways, and we also have a other evil version of humans what is that the riders i guess i guess but that's i guess it's that's more mystical and not like a physical deformation of yeah. the original thing which oh my god we could unpack that for a while yeah, the, yeah. Like, <laughs> oof, maybe we should like those are humans who have been corrupted to the point that they are now something else this is like a complete race that has been invented that's not the word I'm looking for, but we're going with it uh, in, like, opposition of another race. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there, too. But anyways. Yeah. But what's, what's the evil version of a dwarf? And also Dragons. I, I mean, I definitely read that once. But also, I mean, at least they're an interesting parallel to dwarves or yeah. inverse or whatever. I don't remember. Were dragons created before dwarves or after? Well, I mean, I technically, no the dwarves were created like okay, okay, before anything, At, before or after the dwarves woke up and like became known to folk. Mm, I don't know. I don't. But also, it. I mean, to be fair, like the ancient elves also had so many of the traits that dwarves had. 
with like with the caves and shiny shit. rocks yeah. and caves and <laughs> I mean I mean the the elves in Mirkwood still live underground. So it's not just ancient elves. Mm-hmm. Um and then the, I don't know if this is the evil version of hobbits but probably the thing that causes them the most grief at least in these books and in the hobbit is Gandalf. <laughs> That's the only thing I could come up with hobbits because he's the one who shows up and it's like so you're you're going to be a burglar. Go on this journey. I mean, since we don't have anything better to put for hobbits, we do have Smeagol. We do. And I, th- I did think about that. I just thought Gandalf would be funnier. So I <laughs> went with Gandalf. Definitely funnier. Also, Smeagol is more like the, um, you know, the Nazgul because he's been corrupted mm-hmm. by a ring to a point of being not a hobbitish thing anymore. What would, what would the, like, the opposite of a hobbit be? Like someone who doesn't like food someone without 12 scheduled meals a day oh my god it's like it's like the ants that was someone who just like lets their yard get overgrown <laughs> yeah i can't think of anything within the books um no actually i'm sorry i just ended up back on dwarves for a second as i was thinking um but it's interesting compared to the other three races which are quote unquote the original ones like elves and humans and i guess ants sort of whatever um but that dwarves were like literally like created from rock and they were created explicitly to be unchangeable in resistance to Melkor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's just kind of interesting that we don't have a corruption of them or whatever. Kind of the very thing that made them strong became their own internal form of corruption, but... That was what they were created for, was to be unchangeable. And they maybe don't get, like, seduced or what have you by Morgoth, but they do get tempted by the Silmarils. Mm -hmm. And that causes, you know, problems thousands of years later, even between them and the elves, which, like, still causes real physical, like, not just political problems for them, but, like, people have died because the dwarves and the elves just don't trust each other. Mm -hmm. And that was the Silmarils. Yep. Somebody should have killed Feanor when he was a baby. <laughs> not really, though. I, I, I'm not. I'm not actually in favor of killing infants. Just don't name your kids with an F. <laughs> yeah, they all get fucked over in these stories. Uh, I had one last thing that I wanted to bring up. Uh, I don't know if you guys are done, but I have, I have one more thing, and that is just that I love that you know the elves have lovely lembas bread. The ants have this fabulous drought that like different kinds and it heals cuts and scrapes and you know just sounds like a a lovely a lovely drink and then the dwarves have cram (laughs) and it's nobody likes cram not even the dwarves i mean the orc juice from the previous chapter sounded a little bit more appetizing than cram and i just think that's a little bit hilarious that the dwarves couldn't come up with Something that tastes kind of good to keep them going on the road. Nope, just cram. Which I always think of as spam. And I assume, I guess, I guess it's because they rhyme. It, that's the that's the only reason. Yeah, and also that I think spam is gross. Next week's homework is the Two Towers, Book Three, Chapter, The White Rider, <laughs> Chapter Five, Chapter Five, Chapter Five, The White Rider. I wonder who or what that could be. Also, I kind of hate this thing about going back and forth with like leaving on cliffhangers of people being 
where and going back to the other story. Man, are you going to hate the end of book three? (laughs) 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 I hate to tell you what happens in the middle of this book, but um, yeah. I mean, actually, I don't think we end on a cliffhanger, but at least not one quite so intense as that. Like, we're marching to Isengard, and if if this were the movie, you'd have three hours to go. If you would like to support us in a monetary manner, you can at patreon.com slash so you want to read Tolkien. It's almost the end of the month, and is it? Well, whatever, we're about halfway done. And at the end of the month, you'll get our June outtakes, of which there are some doozies of of us trying to count to three, as per (laughs) usual. If you would like to support us in a non-monetary manner, you can by giving us a rating or review on iTunes or any other podcast listening platform. Uh, you can email us at so you at want to read Tolkien at gmail.com and you can con- follow us on Twitter at want to read to- nope at to read Tolkien. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the history of the ends. It's been swell. It has been swell. <laughs> I've had a good I've had a good time. Um, remember Treebeard and Tom Bombadil forever and we'll see you all next week I've been Caitlin I've been Rachel and I've been Emily have a great night bye bye it's not night they can listen to this whenever they want what are we talking about <laughs> <laughs>